What's going on, everyone? Bringing back the podcast. It's August 2023. I've had a big, crazy, time-consuming year, and things are kind of slowing down, and I want to get this going again. And you can see I'm pretty serious about it. Got a new mic. Um, have, a, have a new setup. So I got an office. Haley and I have just finished really getting everything done in our new house, moving in, um, getting everything you know put together. So got a new desk this new office. I'm really excited about it. Um, and I'm, I'm looking at getting, you know, a lot more guests on for future podcasts, but this first one, I really just wanted to kind of recap my season, go through how everything's gone down. This year has been just wild. Um, I mean, just myself, I started fishing the invitationals. Um, Haley and I got married. Uh, we went on a honeymoon, moved into a new house. Um, Haley graduated this year and started a new job. So there's just been so much going on and, uh, it's been busy, but it's been, it's been a great time. Just want to recap a little bit of how that year has gone for us. And it's been a lot of fun, stressful at times. It's been, it's been a fun journey. Last year, thankfully I was able to get in through the Toyota series. Um, MLF gave out quite a few invites to fish, fish the invitationals and somehow I managed to figure it out. I really want to thank um, my sponsors, Breed and Shelter Insurance, Pro's Choice Marine, Modern Outdoor Tackle, Picasso Lures, Abu Garcia, Berkeley, Gorilla Grip Gloves, Harry Salon, McBride Land Solutions, Aegis Group, Don's Truck Towing, Independent Stave Company, and there's a lot more people too, but all these people have really made it possible for me to be able to fish the invitationals because 30 grand and entry fees alone. And then you got to add in all the travel, um, you know, hotels, gas station stops, um, you know, truck and boat gas, both it adds up. And so I'm thinking around 50 grand is what it is for the year. Um, when you add in all the expenses and stuff. So huge thank you to all those people. Um, I wouldn't have been able to do it without you guys. I really just want to jump into my season, how it's gone. February has been my busiest month so far, or it was this whole year. We had two invitationals events. I had college national championship. And just to make it easy, there was a week in between tournaments there where I just stayed in Florida. Um, it made it a lot easier instead of driving back and forth and burning that extra gas. So February 1st is when I left for Florida and I went and stayed at Lake Lanier with uh, Drew Gill and his grandparents. We went out for a day before we head down to Florida and Drew and I together had 24.66 pounds in our five best spotted bass, which is just insane of a spotted bass bag. And that was the first time I've ever fished at Lake Lanier. Phenomenal fishery. Like that wasn't even one spot. That was like I don't know. We caught one four, four to five pounder on like five different spots. Seriously, and so I broke my PB, which I think was five point two six pounds. Crazy place. I can't wait to actually fish a tournament there, and hopefully, I get to at some point because that was just it was like Table Rock, except they're all big spots instead of little bitty spots. We had a phenomenal day there, and first tournament that we had in in Florida was Okeechobee. I don't want to say scared of this event, but I figured it would be a tough one for me. Florida has always kind of been my weak point fishing in college. It was a really cool place to fish. It was, I actually liked it more than 
um, like the Harris chain where I'd been every time before. Um, because like Harris chain, there was so much vast offshore hydrilla coontail, you know, different types of grass. Whereas Okeechobee, it was like mud bowl in the middle. And then there was, you know, certain stretches that were clean around the rim, but there is just shallow grass really. You know, there was reeds and there were some like hydrilla milfoil mixtures, but there was definitely some areas that just very healthy, lots of different types of grass. I actually liked Okeechobee more than any Florida lake that I've been to so far. And I would love to have another tournament there and be able to go apply what I learned in that event. So practice was pretty tough in general for me. I found one area that I went through and had probably 10 bites. And so I felt pretty good about being able to catch fish in that area. And there was a couple of those community areas that had clear water. There was boats everywhere. And it's like, you know, that's going to be a, a player in the tournament, right? But I just could not stand fishing around that many boats. And I really didn't get that many bites in those areas because I just, I didn't even fish them for very long. I just couldn't make myself stay around people like that. And so in the tournament, I had, so this area that I had bites in was in South Bay and it was kind of on the east side of South Bay. And that's, that's always a really popular area where lots of tournaments are won. And so I thought, you know, that's how it seems like it is in Florida. Like you pick an area and you just spend your whole day basically and just go really slow. And the guys that catch them in Florida always fish a, a weightless Cinco or a really lightweight Cinco and they just pick stuff apart. And a lot of times it's like guys that know how to fish that way, like northern guys that fish grass or Florida guys or a lot of old guys do really well because they move a little bit slower. And so I decided, hey, I'm just going to hunker down in this area that I got a lot of bites and try to make it happen. It was really just clean bottom. It was kind of dirty water was the only problem. And it was just reeds. And that was about it. And there would be patches of reeds out. And then there was kind of like a hard edge on the inside. And the first day I pulled in there and there was actually like five or six, seven boats that started in like a 200 yard stretch. And I'm like, that's good. You know, like there's not, it's not super crowded, but there's boats in here that tells me that there's, there's fish around. And so I started throwing a six inch swim bait, just, you know, I don't know. It just felt right. Like that cloudy morning, you know, it was kind of dark. And so I just want to kind of start with the moving bait. Right. And so I caught two or three keepers on a swim bait, weedless swim bait, super early. I mean, like first 15 minutes probably. And that got my confidence, you know, pretty high for the rest of the day. I was pretty hopeful at that point. After probably 30 minutes, I would say a lot of those guys had left, maybe 45 minutes. You know, not many of them hung around. They decided to leave pretty quick. But since I had fish i wasn't really second guessing at all and so basically what i did for the rest of the day was i would power pull down and i'd flip every thing around me i mean i'd flip every patch of reed several times hitting trying to hit every base every stem and i would pick up the poles i would move probably 20 or 30 feet put them down and do the same thing and i caught a decent amount of fish you know i probably had 12 pounds for a lot of the day and there was this one stretch that kind of joined. There was a kind of a canal or an opening of reeds that kind of led out to the main lake. 
And right by where that hit the bay that opened up, there was a hard edge that kind of ran into the bay. And I had got bites like kind of in that area, but off. So I, I started moving in the thick stuff later in the day, trying to, you know, change it up and try to catch maybe some bigger fish. Well, I get on that hard edge and I'm kind of going down. I'm catching fish just like the rest of the day, little two pounders. And I flipped to this. I, I'm not kidding. It's one stock of reeds, a reed, not even reeds. I flip to it and I catch like a four and a half pounder. I flip it in the boat and it gets me like over 14 pounds. Well, going into this tournament, looking at past tournament results, 13 pounds a day was typically in that check range on every Okeechobee tournament, 13, 13 and a half per day. So, you know, that 26 to 27 pound mark. And so I was going to be happy with like 13 pounds. You know, I thought that was going to give me a good chance to get a check. So I come in with 14 and a half, 1409. And I'm in like 60-somethingth place. Like I'm out of the cut still with 14 and a half. And so I'm like, man, those weights were a little bit, you know, better than the day before. I'm going to have to make something happen tomorrow. Like I need, I'm looking at, I need about 15 pounds if I want to make the top 50 cut. But, you know, finishing or being in the 60s, you know, midpoint of the field, that's not bad for me in Florida, honestly, with my with my history. So day two comes around, and I decide, hey, I'm gonna go back to that area, obviously, and and catch fish, and try to at least get a limit before I go try to do something else. Because, I mean, I caught that one good one, but that was the only thing in that area. So the next morning, you know, I go out and I kind of do the same thing. I'm just flipping around, flipping a cinco. Uh, that's pretty much what I caught all my fish on was a five inch black and blue Cinco. And a mistake that I learned from day one to day two was I was throwing fluorocarbon, 20 pound fluorocarbon, thinking that was going to be enough. But reeds are not forgiving whatsoever. So I went to straight braid the next day, which helped get those fish, you know, out of the out of the junk. And especially if they get wrapped up in reeds, um, it was it was pretty hard to pull them out. So go straight braid. I throw a little bit lighter of a weight um, on day two. I think I started throwing a 316 ounce or yeah, 316, I think, which apparently was too heavy anyway. But I, I dropped down to that. I still caught a lot of keepers, um, but the the size just wasn't very good at all. I, I think around 11 o'clock, maybe 1030, I decided to go look at other areas that I had gotten some bites and I thought, you know, that had clean water. And so... I go over into the east or the west side of South Bay, and it's a place that I had fished and practiced and got a couple bites, but I didn't think it was that great. Well, I go over there, and everybody in the top 20 just about is fishing that area. And apparently, you know, there's so many guys fishing in there that the morning bite was really good, and then it stopped about the time I got there. And so I really learned, and in, in that area, it was dead. Like all the reeds were, were cut off and they were burned. It looked like, um, they got sprayed, died, and then someone cut the, cut them at the water. And I just counted it out kind of as that's just dead. Like they're just dead reeds. There's not going to be any, you know, good grass growing there, but there was, there was a lot of submergent grass that filtered the water and made it pretty clean. So I kind of just tried to expand on that offshore grass and catch some fish and i caught some little ones but you know it just didn't happen for me i never caught another 
fish that help my limit. But I, I really learned that in Florida, especially Okeechobee, you have to be around the crowds. You have to be where the fish are. And there's certain areas that they just live. And so that's why I'm looking forward to going back because I know that they're not all, it's not always going to be like, I'm not always going to be able to catch them or make a check hardly if I'm not fishing in those type of areas. So that second day I had 11, 13 drop me down to 72nd place, uh, with 26 pounds. I mean, I told you 13 pounds a day, that was kind of like the right number, but it just, the weights were pretty good this time. Our field was a lot of young rookies that are really good fishermen. So finished 72nd at that one. So Drew and I are staying together this week off. Um, we were traveling throughout the season together. And so, um, we got to stay with Tommy Hubble. So thank you for letting us stay there. So Tommy lived in Plant City, Florida, and which is like the strawberry capital of the United States has to be. There was just the whole county was strawberry fields. And so Tommy packaged and, and sold strawberries. It was a pretty cool operation. So while we had this off week in Florida, we decided to f- fish every day, you know, and jump around to different lakes. Well, the first place that we went was Lake Instapoga. Instapoga. It's kind of a weird name. It was just reeds. Like there was no offshore grass or anything in this lake. It was just all reeds. There's these hard stem. Some people call them bulrushes or tulies. They're just hard stem uh, reeds. They're kind of like single uh, buggy whips is something that people call them too. There's these, there's these thin single strand uh, reeds. So we're fishing, you know, not long. Then we decide to go over to a stretch of those. And I swear we weren't, I didn't make five casts on this new spot. Well, there's this little point of these reeds and I'm throwing a swim jig through them. It's like maybe three foot deep. And my line is over a reed. And so I'm reeling it and it comes up to the surface to come over this reed. And this giant bass comes out of the water trying to eat my swim jig and just completely misses so i reel in real quick trying to throw back in there well drew is just standing here with this little speed worm so he throws this speed worm up there so i get my swim jig and i throw it up there again and i'm reeling it and drew goes oh there he is he sets the hook and this fish just starts screaming it's heavy it's a big fish it never comes up but we could tell it was a giant and so he's fighting it around the boat and we get it i I don't remember how i I might have netted it we get this fish in the boat and it's the biggest bass that's ever that i've ever seen with my eyes (laughs) we were thinking it had to have been a 10 pounder but it ended up being like 988 it was just shy of 10 pounds i don't know how a 10 pounder just misses a swim jig like that but i have video of me saying whenever it came out of the water that that was an eight or nine pounder so i was pretty accurate on my guess there but um that was by far the biggest fish that we caught all week that day. We ended up, we like found out a little pattern, um, of fishing those, uh, bull rushes and specifically like points that were leading into canals and stuff like that, but ended up having around 25 pounds, which with a 10 pounder, just about as mediocre, but still a fun day. The rest of that trip, we didn't like smoke them at all by any means. Um, Probably my favorite uh, part of that week was we got to fish 
I don't even remember what it's called at this point, but this this little lake, it was a chain of lakes, and this one lake specifically had super clear water. You know, it's February, and we're live scoping them out in the middle of the lake. They're suspended with a swim bait. And I, we've had probably around 20 pounds or just under, but we saw some mega giants that were just out there. I mean, these huge fish that would follow our baits, and we just couldn't get those giant ones to bite. Uh, we caught a couple five pounders, but fun week, but really just uh, to kill time and kind of see some scenery in Florida. So ended up being uh, a good learning experience, kind of to just see the different types of, you know, fisheries that are in Florida. So after that week was over, I got to do my last college tournament ever. So it was the Major League Fishing College National Championship on Lake Toho. And the week leading up to this, they had the Bass Pro Tour event. All these guys were catching the biggest fish in Lake Kissimmee. Well, Lake Kissimmee, you have to lock to get there, and it takes probably 45 minutes at least to an hour um, to get there through the uh, idle time and the the locking and all that. And so there's a lot of offshore grass in Toho, and I really wanted to just stay there and figure out how to catch them and catch them offshore. And I'm not saying that I didn't care about this event because I I did, but I was laid back. Um, it was my last tournament. You know, I wasn't stressed about it whatsoever. I was just there to have fun. So me and my partner, Hunter, Hunter Baird, we just have a blast all of practice. So the first day we just, we start fishing around a little bit, fishing shallow. And we're like, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't that great. So we were like, let's just, let's just go ahead and do it. Let's go ahead and spend our time looking offshore. So I think the the first or second spot that we kind of find, we are idling on this grass flat and it starts to get like clumpy. And so I saw some fish kind of sitting on these clumps while I turn around, throw a jerk bait up there. Like first or second cast, I catch like a five, five and a half pounder. And I'm like landing this fish. Hunter goes up to the front of the boat. He throws up there and has a giant follow his two and he reels it in. He's like, this is it, you know, this is going to be one of them spots. And so for the whole rest of practice, which we had two and a half more days of practice at this point, the whole rest of practice, we spend idling around finding differences in grass. So it'd either be um, mixtures of grass or clumps of grass. Every time that we kind of found a certain mixture, there was, there was kind of fish there. And we had probably three spots that we were pretty excited about for the tournament. So first day of the tournament rolls around and we're pumped. You know, we had caught some good ones in practice fishing that offshore grass, get to that spot that I caught the big one on the jerk bait. And it's just not happening. We maybe catch a couple little ones. We're not really seeing the fish there either. Like were before. And so we go to our next best spot, kind of the same deal. Like we catch a couple little ones, but, they're just not really there, not really biting. And so we start running some spots that we never fished, but were just mixtures of grass that I marked on side scan. The first like mixture clump of grass that we pull up to, we catch a couple little ones. Well, I bomb a worm out there to this clump, or I might have got a little bit past it. Like I click over my reel basically, and this fish is swimming off with my worm. I set the hook and it was like a four, four pounder, four something. Like, man, this is like brush pile fishing. I pull up to a clump of grass and throw a worm in it. 
and fish is swimming off. I'm like, man, we could, we could figure this out and do this. So we pull up to another clump that still hadn't fished. So I power pull down, bomb it out there, catch like another four and a half, five pounder. Like, man, what is going on here? It was good stuff. We kind of just work around this area and start kind of hitting these clumps. Well, there's one that's like real dense and I throw my worm to it, catch like a two pounder, hunter throws like exactly where I pulled that fish from. And like, as I'm messing around with this fish, he sets the hook on a big one and ended up being our biggest fish today. Like, I guess it was probably just under five or right around five. So after he had caught that last big one, um, we were kind of, that was kind of our last fish that kind of did it for the day. One important detail I just missed was that we did fish this clump of grass like earlier in the day. And I was throwing a jerk bait, trying to scope these individual fish. Well, I hooked like a, a pretty good one. And this fish comes and jumps like right at the boat and, and breaks my line. He like goes back for a dive and breaks my line. And so I was kind of mad about that. And then I pull out a Nico worm and I'm throwing six pound line, number four, uh, finesse hook and a small hit worm, like a normal size, uh, Berkeley Maxson hit worm. And I catch one, like there's one that's swimming right to me at the boat and I flip my worm to it and it follows it down. And I, I just hop it once and it eats it. Like I swear 10 feet from the boat. And I'm fighting this fish around, just being easy with them, and ends up being like a five-five. And it's just crazy that those some of those fish were just like that was outside of that big clump. They were just kind of out there cruising in these certain areas. We end up having twenty-two-four, and so we had you know several fours, right around four pounders. Had two that were close to five, probably. So on day two. We end up having like a super long fog delay, which really hurt a lot of people that were going to Kissimmee because, you know, shortened their day and they were already having lock troubles because so much of the field was going down there. I mean, like two thirds, three quarters of the field was locking through to the other lakes that were in Kissimmee chain. So I don't remember what it was. It was around three hours that we have this fog delay. We had a shortened day, but it was just, it was a tougher day. And there was people that were starting to, you know, fish around us. Like day one, there was not a single boat in sight. Um, but uh, that day two ended up being a lot tougher. But but Hunter does catch a giant one that that really got our bag up there to have a decent day, which ended up being only 17 pounds, which for the fish that we were around, you know, I think that was pretty small, putting us in second place going into the final day. So after day two, we're only down a pound and one ounce from second place. And so... Like, we're like, man, we really have a shot at this. You know, we're only a pound back, and the leaders ahead of us only had 13 pounds on day two. So, yeah, they had a shortened day, and they're going to have a lot more time to fish on day three. But, like, we know that we're around the fish to win. We go out, and it's kind of similar to day two. Like, we're catching a lot of fish still, but they're just lots of little ones, and we're not able to really catch anything at all. I mean, size wise. So, I mean, it's like noon and we have like 11 or 12 pounds. I'm thinking it's probably closer to 11. And I'm pretty sure we're weighing at like 230. Well, about 1, 130 rolls around. I, I'm like, man, those these fish are here. If anything is going to happen, it's it has to happen now. And so I pull out a drop shot and 
I'm like, I'm just like, just keep casting these grass clumps, Hunter. I'm just going to start flipping drop shots of the fish I see. The first fish that I see is like in this grass clump. Well, I flip my drop shot right to him. It goes down. The fish kind of swims away. Well, he makes a circle. I'm watching him. He comes back. He's on his way back to the same spot he was in. So I flip my drop shot in front of him and he follows it down. I'm just sitting there waiting and he just, I feel the tick. He's just kind of swimming with it. And it's kind of close to the boat. So I'm kind of scared to set the hook too hard. So I just kind of pull into him and I could tell it was a big one. And I was fighting this fish everywhere. He was going through the grass, going around the boat. You know, we got a camera guy in the boat third day since we're in second place. And so it was just kind of a cluster with this fish. Well, finally get him up to the surface after a couple minutes. And it ends up being like seven and a quarter giant fish like this just drastically increase our chances of being able to win right and so we're obviously pumped about that but we only got like an hour maybe left to fish and so we're like man we can make this happen we just need a couple more of those and same deal like almost every fish that i pitched at for the for the remainder of the day bit and so i ended up catching like another four and a half and a couple three somethings and man we just needed i I needed to do that a little bit sooner and pull out that drop shot. And we ended up having like, I don't know, my scale said right at 20 pounds. So I'm thinking, man, the leaders need 19. Everyone else needs over 20 to beat us. Like they're going to have to catch him today. We got 20 pounds. And I mean, Hunter and I were pumped running back to weigh in because we knew that we had a chance. Well, we get back to weigh in. Everyone starts bagging up their fish and I'm kind of looking around. And I start to see a lot of big fish and I'm like, Oh man, this isn't good. And we get to the weighing tanks and I'm like kind of seeing the size of everybody's fish. And I'm like, man, there's no chance. Like everybody has 20 plus pounds and man, the first couple teams weigh in and there ended up being like four bags over 25 pounds with the biggest being like 27 and so we needed like 25 or 26 pounds if we were going to be able to win. And <laughs> that was just, I, that was unbelievable day of fishing for everybody. I mean, listen to the, listen to the weights right here. The guys in first had 27, 11 on the final day. Second place had 27. Third had 28. Uh, we got fourth with 20 pounds. Fifth had 25. So there was, three bags over 27 pounds that day. I mean, it was just insane how that turned out. We ended up getting fourth. It was still a crazy fun week. Uh, we had, we had 59, 15, we had just under 20 pounds a day by an ounce. And so, gosh, that was such a confidence booster to me, figuring out how to fish offshore bass, offshore grass bass. That is not just offshore bass. So that was a great like momentum roller to go into Clark's Hill. Clark's Hill was probably my, I was looking forward to Clark's Hill most because it's a spotted bass fishery. There's herring. I thought I was going to be able to, it's February. I'm going to be able to cut, catch them offshore suspended fish. Well, that didn't really like work out in practice at all. And so last day of practice, I ended up figuring out that I was, I could catch them shallow, like way in the backs of the creeks. Like these fish had moved up shallow, catch them on a buzz bait and stuff. And so First day of the tournament comes and I fish a lot of my like really shallow stuff and I'm like not getting any bites. And so, and I had a camera too and my buddy Cannon, Cannon York, 
comes to video this tournament for me, which was really cool. I'm really glad that he did that. And so I have this camera guy and I'm like not able to catch any fish. And so I start like just working my way back in these creeks and I start flipping channel swing banks and I start getting like a couple bites. I think I have two or three keepers in the boat. Well, I, I, I jump across the creek to the next channel swing and like my second cast, like I flip up to this little bitty lay down and I hop it once and this fish eats it and I set the hook in it. It was a giant and it was a six twelve. I'm pretty sure. And six and three quarters. I said that on my video on live, but, um, I just kept moving down those channel swing banks. That ended up being the biggest bass of the day. So I got a thousand dollar bonus and I, I just kept flipping those channel swings, ended up having like 16 pounds, 16 something that day, which put me in like ninth place. So, you know, I kind of got a little bit of extra media attention to um, that day. So awesome start to this tournament, right? I'm going to check my weight here. Yeah, I had 16, 15, so just shy of 17 pounds. And I was like fired up to go the next day, right? I'm thinking, man, I'm just going to hit all these channel swings and flip them. It's just going to go down. So I ended up running more water, you know, trying to to catch some bigger fish because like I caught a four and a half in practice and caught that big one in the tournament. I thought, you know, this is like they're using these channel swings to move back and spawn. Well, day two like didn't turn out that great. I only had five little ones. I had 1110 and I dropped down to like 36th place, the 35th place. And it was kind of a cloudy, like, you know, rainy day though. And I, I had two, what I think were better bites that came off, but man, day three rolls around. I'm like, I can't like, I just need to move up. I, I can't go back any, I can't lose my check. Right. Top 50 fish day three and and make a check. And so I decide, you know what? I'm going to start in a little bit clear water. I'm just going to go throw a wacky worm around and see if I can't just catch as many fish as I can. And so the creek I start in, one I haven't fished really all week, and I catch a limit before I had a keeper the previous two days. And I'm like, I'm just going to keep doing this. You know, I'm going to keep just going down the bank in this creek and catching fish. And I was just catching them randomly here and there on laydowns, and I ended up catching a four pounder just off this little bush. And so, you know, that gives me, I don't know, 12, 12 something pounds, 12 or 13. So that gives me probably 12 or 13 pounds. And so, you know, I just catch a bunch of fish throughout the day. I run some other creeks and I never can catch another like good fish. Well, I run down Lake and I had marked some docks in clear water that had fish under them. And so like last 30 minutes of the day, maybe not even that I pull into this pocket with some docks in it. And I see this fish suspending over a brush pile, but under a dock. And I skip my wacky worm to him. Kind of like this Florida deal. I, I flip my wacky worm to him and he kind of swims off He makes a loop. He comes back and I, I throw it to him again and he falls it down right behind the brush pile. And I, I let it fall down there and I just start watching my rod and I just, barely twitch it one time and he eats it so i i reel and set the hook ended up being another four pounder and so that jumps me up to like 14 and a half pounds so i i'm able to jump like 10 places and make a uh add two grand onto my check so i made 10 grand with that and then 11 grand total because the big bass on day one so 
25th place. You know, I was really pumped about that second term of the year. I got my, you know, season rolling in the right direction. So after Clark's Hill, we go to Grand Lake. Um, super cold. Fishing is brutal on Grand Lake in early March whenever the water's cold. Um, and a couple years ago, 2021, Cameron and I won the uh, college national championship on Grand. Same kind of deals. First week of March, it was super awful. It was just such a tough week. Well, we ended up finding just a couple stretches that had fish on them. What I do is I'm just putting my troll motor down and I'm I'm finding individual fish at Grand. And I mark, if I get one to follow my jerk bait, I mark it, I move on. And that's pretty much what I did in the tournament is I was fishing a lot of like shallower brush from six to 12 foot probably. And I'm throwing a jerk bait at them and I go and catch like just about every fish that I had marked in practice. There were certain areas that had like bigger populations of fish. Um, but basically I was just catching those, those couple fish and I wasn't catching very many fish in a day. Like the first day I caught seven keepers, didn't have my first fish until 1230, which was a 614 giant fish, which was in like seven foot of water. And it was suspended up in this, in this brush pile. First day, like, you know, I had 22 pounds or 20, you know, 20 upper 22s, I think, which I had almost a seven pounder. And I broke off another giant on a, on a dang drop shot. It was just under the boat. And I just tried not to set the hook too hard, but I did. Day two, um, I just run the same stuff, right? And I get six bites and I catch another 18 pounds, 18 even, I think. But I had two five pounders, but I just, I didn't have that big bite, you know, like get me up there a little bit more. And day three, like I'm feeling good. Like I still have, I still have fish left. Um, and I'm like, I'm in second place, like a pound back from the leader and I'm pumped. I'm like going down the lake on day three. I am like, have like an emotional moment. Cause I'm like, this is the first like big tournament that I could actually win. Like, I feel like I have a serious chance to win and things were just going my way. Like I caught that big one on day one. I watched her follow it out real slow and just eat it. Well, there was this one that was following her in that same pile. Well, I come back on day two and catch that fish that was following my six pounder. And it was a five pounder, man. I was just excited. So I continue to do the same thing. I just run these fish that, that I'm finding. And the first like two or three bites that I have, I I'm twitching my jerk bait, fresh hooks, right? I'd pull into them. I'd get a couple cranks on them coming my way and they'd pop off like three in a row. And I'm not getting enough bites for this to happen, like for fish to be coming off. And I think like the fourth fish that I had bite, I caught ended up being a three and three quarters. And it's like late in the day. I'm getting really down. Like it can still happen. You know, I got like an hour and a half left, two hours, but man, the bite is so tough and slow that, it just slipped away from me because of that. And so I got this one fish in the boat and I'm like, man, way back in this Creek, I have one fish marked. Let me go see if I can catch it. First cast I throw to it. This big fish just kind of waddles her way up, eats it. Same deal. I pull into her, get a couple cranks, comes off. Um, it was just one of those days. It was cloudy, windy, you know, they should have ate it decent. I had fresh hooks. I have a right jerk bait rod. And, I don't know, man. It just doesn't go your way sometimes. And so I ended up 
only weighing in one fish on day three and dropping down to sixth place. Um, I think I only needed like 12 pounds if I wanted second or to get second place. And then I think around 20 or 19 something would have got the win for me. And all these fish out here, I mean, every day I only got five, six, seven bites and they ended up being 22 pounds, 18 pounds, and then, you know, one three and three quarter pounder. So I was definitely around the right quality, but it didn't happen for me, which, Hey, that was meant to be, you know, there's plenty of times where you can get frustrated and, and say that should have happened or, you know, the chances that, I mean, dude, it's just not your time for it to happen if it's not your time. So I'm not worried about it too much. I was a little upset, obviously, but sixth place, I can't complain about too much. Um, next tournament was Toyota Series at Dardanelle, um, which was a Southwestern division, but I decided to fish it as my wild card event. So Dardanelle, I just spent a lot of time just like live scoping around, looking for individual fish, kind of the same deal I was at Grand. Um, but this was in April, right? These fish were kind of spawning. Um, so I'd on a little piece of cover, I'd mark a fish or there'd be fish spawning. So when, what I ended up doing is catching fish on spawning flats and I was just live scoping them. So you couldn't see them spawn with your eyes because they were like three to five foot deep, but they were, I really think I was catching pre spawn and post spawn fish on the same places. And some of these fish were definitely on beds. You'd see two fish kind of swimming around a certain spot. Um, but I caught on day one, I was in third place. I caught two five pounders, had 18 pounds. And then day two, I caught one five pounder, had like 14 pounds. And then on day three, I caught zero five pounders and had like 12 pounds. And so, you know, that dropped me down to sixth place uh, slowly over time. But Dardanelle is definitely a good fishery. It's, it's on its way back. I've only ever fished it in the fall and it's always been tough, but man, the quality of fish that were caught, I mean, it took 18 pounds every day to win. So I'm looking forward to going back to Dardanelle in the future. Um, next tournament was the third stop of the invitationals at Lake Eufaula. Um, that tournament, like, man, Lake Eufaula, it doesn't have a ton of fish, but the quality is really good. And I caught a six-pounder a six something large mouth in practice. I caught a five pound small mouth. Um, I was fishing like a lot of offshore rock piles is what I was doing. A lot of rock transitions, like big chunky rock. And I was catching like a decent amount of fish. I was, I was, I was excited about this tournament. So I actually had Carter with come and video for me. And so he was in the boat all three days for me. Um, I have that video up on YouTube. It's a pretty good video. Uh, so go watch that. But um, day one, I just started kind of running the spots that I had some of my bigger bites on. And I think I ran two spots where I'd caught, you know, big largemouth and I might have caught a couple little ones or it, it just wasn't very good. And then I went to the stretch that I caught the five pound smallmouth, which was kind of like a rock seam coming off the bank. And no bite still. So I worked around the corner to like another long point that had chunky rock on the tip of it. So I'm working my way over to this point and on the other side of the pocket from me is Brock Rinkemeyer. And I see him catch a fish or two. And I kind of get up to this point where we're pretty close. Like we're talking distance, you know, 
and he catches a good one, maybe like a three and a half, four pounder. And I finally get up to my spot. Um, it was kind of like it, this long point kind of came out and it, it was like chunky and a little bit high on top. And then it kind of dropped off into the gut of this pocket. And like first cast I make up there, I catch a pretty good one, like a three and a half, four pounder. I'm like, okay, we're starting to get going. And I sit there and catch uh, a whole limit. And me and Brock are just sitting there trading blows, basically. But his fish are a little bit bigger than mine. And so I think both of us sat there for at least three hours, probably, just catching fish. Um, I kind of worked over to the next point down. First cast up there, I caught another three-something, a pretty good one. And Brock ended up having 19-3, which put him in seventh place. So he caught him pretty well. And let's see, I had like 14, I had 14, 14. So just under 15 pounds. I was in 41st place. Um, I had those two good ones and a couple other solid fish. And so I, uh, I sat there for like, you know, three and a half hours or something and ran to another stretch that kind of the same deal is just that chunky rock leading into a spawning pocket and I broke off a good one and, and caught another couple fish. And so after day two or going into day two, I thought, okay, I had a pretty good day. I feel like if I ran more of my spots, cause I had a lot of these similar type of stretches. If I run more of these spots, maybe I'll be able to catch more keepers in a day rather than sitting on a spot and trying to catch what's there. Because every time I'd go to a spot, I would have, you know, between one and three or four bites pretty quick i mean if i got a bite it was right as i pulled up and so day two i was kind of doing the same deal except i started on that spot that i caught basically my whole bag off of the first day i um started rotating through as many spots as i could and i just wasn't able to get the bites and it was really windy too on day two and so I, I rotate to that second stretch that I caught some on day one. And I just really fished it really slow once I got there because I wasn't really catching much on any other spot. So I ended up catching like three decent ones there. And I got to another rock pile that was kind of a, a culvert drain pipe and had a rock pile right at the base of it. And I got probably 10 bites off this little rock pile. And I would I'd feel a bite and they'd start swimming with it and I'd set the hook and they'd just pull my plastic off or, you know, I'd, I'd miss them. They just have the tail. And then I ended up catching like one keeper off that spot and like five or six shorts. And I ended up only having four fish. So I had eight pounds and 14 ounces dropped down to 73rd place. Um, so I finished 72nd at Okeechobee and this one was a 73rd. So, man, that was that was kind of difficult. That kind of sucked to only have four fish whenever I was sitting in the cut after day one. Um, but, man, it was extremely windy that day. We were – the waves that there was – so coming into weigh-in on day two, I gave myself like three times the amount of time that I thought I'd need. And just because it was windy, I thought, you know, I, I better be safe than sorry. I gave myself like 15 minutes to go five miles and I made it in with 30 seconds left. I mean, I had to go like 15 miles an hour and these were the biggest waves I've ever seen on a reservoir. 
um, outside of the Great Lakes. It's the biggest ways I've ever seen. And it was pretty wild. But yeah, it was just it was just tough, tough day for me. Um, and so I think I learned a lot about that. About that lake and about that type of fishing. Um, a lot of the guys that did catch them were fishing the same like similar type stuff. But it seemed like a lot of stuff that was either close to the main lake. Or a little bit chunkier stretches of bank i mean i was fishing like small stretches and transitions where there might have been a couple good fish on each one but i wasn't around a good enough population in a lake like that where there's not a huge population of bass everywhere i think you really have to put yourself around the biggest population that you can and there's going to be good ones around and i don't think that i did that well enough i didn't cover enough water on a place with not enough bass and so that's, I think that was my mistake because there was a lot of guys, especially on the windy day that really caught, you know, a couple big ones or upgraded their bag or had a better day two than they did day one that were just fishing down the bank, fishing windy banks, covering water. And so, I mean, you know, you get to learn every time that you go fishing and that was kind of my takeaway from that tournament. And I would love to go back to you follow I mean, the quality was awesome and it was a fun place to fish. And so, um, yeah, that was stop number three of the invitationals. Then pretty much right after that, we're going to Kentucky Lake. It's the next week, you know, and the lake was, was kind of low, not in the bushes enough to have that traditional Kentucky Lake, uh, bush bite like there usually is. Um, and you know, the population, it just hasn't been great over the past four or five years. And there hasn't been, you know, many tournaments, but this is the first tournament, first big tournament that they've had there in a while. And really practice for Kentucky Lake was very good. I was fishing brush, stumps, um, metal, any kind of cover in the water. And what I would do is throw a swim bait or a drop shot or a worm or something and either see those fish or get them to bite, shake them off. I just didn't catch them, but I'd mark every fish that I saw. And in that tournament, it was, it was pretty much just, uh, you know, like brush fishing, picking off individual fish and, you know, Kentucky Lake, it's always known it has good large mouth and small mouth, but typically large mouth are going to win the tournament. And so I really focused on the backs of creeks, spawning areas, you know, a lot of these fish, um, not a lot, but some of them were definitely like bidding fish um early post spawn they just moved out and so it was anywhere from like four foot to maybe 10 foot and you know some of these fish were were bedding where you could see both of them kind of swimming around so day one you know i caught a lot of fish but not really the best size um they were kind of biting a swim bait like a hollow body swim bait in practice pretty good they were thumping it but then by the time the tournament come around i just caught a lot of them on a drop shot nico worm caught some on a big worm and that first day, I had 11 pounds, 12 ounces, and 36th place. Um, I knew that I could probably play the averages game and get myself in the top 25. Um, but I knew I needed to upgrade, and, and the size just wasn't really there. You know, it was a lot of, like, small males, it seemed like. Um, and that was kind of a calm, sunny day, whereas day two, uh, we had some some rain and some wind, and it was cloudy all day. And so I just started throwing a mag draft on some secondary points, and I actually caught the first fish I caught was a pretty nice smallmouth. 
And I'm like, man, I'm going to have to like keep doing this. So I was like, you know, I'm going to give myself another hour to smallmouth fish because I, I hadn't really caught any smallmouth in practice at all. And so I start focused on smallmouth a little bit. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll run some different kind of rock stretches, whatnot, and, and see if I can't catch one. So every hour, basically, I was catching smallmouth. And so it ended up being that I just smallmouth fished all day. And I ended up catching, you know, another one probably on a mag draft. And the rest of them were on a 2.8 on a probably eight ounce head. I started fishing like transition points on on or close to the main river. So where it went from chunky rock to pea gravel or the best spot that I found was um, a little point that was like it was like a rock pile. It had really chunky rock on it in a in a gravel stretch. And I saw several big fish on it um, the first time I passed. So I turned around and threw the 2.8 on it and ended up catching like a three and a half pound smallmouth and a couple other little ones. But um, I ended up having 13 pounds, nine ounces of all smallmouth on day two. And that was enough to move me up in 23rd place and make the day three cut. So that was, and that was a fun day too, getting to catch smallmouth. And then on day three, I just went back to fishing brush, fishing basically everything that i hadn't already hit i was i was fishing all the stumps and brush that um i hadn't been to yet and day three i I caught probably the most keepers that i did of any day and i only had 12 pounds 15 ounces so just shy of 13 again but that moved me up to 13th place so consistency really did show and i had 38 pounds for three days um which isn't that great you know but kentucky lake was Kentucky Lake was fairly tough and no one really figured out the smallmouth except for the guys in first and second who absolutely kicked everybody's butt. Um, they caught, I mean, the guy that won had 19, 19 and 18. The guy in second only lost by just over a pound, um, pound and six ounces. So smallmouth really, really dominate Kentucky Lake right now. That's what's winning. That's what won all the winter tournaments. And I think some people figured that going into the spring, as things are warming up, that largemouth would start to take over, but that's not the case. Smallmouth are still winning throughout the spring, summer, even till now it's August. And I know that smallmouth are still dominating out there. So going forward for a long time, I think smallmouth are going to dominate any Kentucky Lake tournament that happens. And I guarantee within the next year or two, there's going to be some big trails that hit Kentucky Lake because of the potential that it has up until this point. So I'm actually looking forward to going back to Kentucky Lake and fishing it the correct way, fishing for smallmouth. And um, I think it could be a lot of fun. So looking forward to going back to that. And I think this is uh, almost the next week after Kentucky Lake. We are going right to Lake of the Ozarks. I only grew up, you know, like 45 minutes from Lake of the Ozarks. So, you know, I have some experience. It's not my most fished lake by any means. But, um, you know, I was looking forward to this tournament. It was the first week of May. And fish, like fish on Table Rock, for example, they, they seem to spawn the second week and third week of April real heavily. And they spawn, you know, until May too. But it seems like those same class fish, spawn later at lake the ozark so it's typically like that first week of of may that they spawn you know a lot of big ones spawn at lake the ozarks 
and everyone knows that you got to fish down lake, clear water, and sight fishing is is a dominating um, way to fish. And I knew that everybody in the field would know that and be kind of piled in to that end of the lake. And I did not want to just fish around competition the whole time or fish around pressured fish. Um, I thought it would make it fairly tough. And so I decided to fish further up lake. Um, and I fished from, I fished mid lake all the way up to about the hurricane deck bridge and into the Niangua a little bit. And, you know, practice wasn't too bad. I caught some, uh, I caught a five pounder on a secondary point. I had one pocket that had some big fish in it and I thought it was going to be, you know, a good way to get away from the crowd and kind of have my own fish. So on day one, they actually gave me a live camera. Um, I think just cause I was, you know, live close by and me and my partner Cameron won a college tournament there in like 2019. So, you know, I got the camera in like the first hour and a half, probably. Um, I was catching a couple little ones, but it wasn't really going that great. And so I was going to one of my, uh, best areas and I was like idling back in this Creek and they bring the the camera boat driver and they pick up the camera guy and he goes off to i think drew actually because he was pretty close um but i mean five minutes after they take my camera guy away i catch like a three and a half pounder and then i start working down the bank and jody white shows up in a camera boat taking some pictures and i think he sat with me for the next like two hours while i caught like 16 pounds what i have 16 pounds five ounces and i caught that in probably an hour and a half um and it was just in this in this pocket i was just throwing a drop shot i think that's what i caught all of them on except for one and i was just fishing you know little pieces of brush um there was a couple fry garters that would literally there'd be a little ball of fry and you can see them kind of swimming around in this little area and there'd be uh one or two fish underneath them and so, you know, I caught some, some good size in there and I, I, there was a lot of fish present. And so I thought day two is going to be no problem for me to be able to catch, you know, maybe not 16 pounds, but have another good day fishing in that area. So after day one, I was sitting in 13th place, 24th was 15 pounds. So, you know, a lot of guys caught some good fish, but Lake Ozarks is just, chock full of three to four pounders and so that's not unexpected at all so i'm sitting in 13th place uh for yeah tied for 13th place sorry and uh you know i was pretty excited so the second morning i decided to go start in that same pocket that i caught my 16 pounds in and so i start in there or i'm idling back there and there's like five boats in this area. There's like a couple crappie fish. There's three crappie fishermen sitting along the stretch that I had caught those fish on the first day. And then on the other side of the creek, there was two just local guys, bass boats in there. And so I kind of like tried to fish some stuff in there for like 30 minutes. And there was just, I wasn't able to really get to anything. I didn't want to cut anybody off or anything, you know. And so I started just rotating through some other stuff that I had where I saw fish and it just wasn't really happening. And I had some fish that were like pre-spawn in the Niangua and catching them on like secondary points and stuff. 
And both days of the tournament, I ran a lot of that stuff and there was like no fish on them. And I really think that a lot of those fish just kind of move back and move up to spawn. And so, you know, I kind of go through without getting any bites. And so, um, like it right at the end of the day, I mean, I'm, I'm just exhausted trying to run everything that I can. And I decide, Hey, I'm going to go run back to that area and see if there's anybody around. And so I run back in there and there's only like one crappie boat. And so I'm like, I'm just going to have to sit here the last hour and see if I can make it work. So I pull back in this Creek and I have like 45 minutes left after I run over there to it. And I catch, you know, two keepers pretty quick. I'm like, okay, I can fill out a limit. You know, if I fill out a limit, I'll at least keep myself in the cut maybe. And so I catch those two and I'm like, okay, it's, you know, I sit down and read my stuff. I'm like, it can happen right now. I like work down a little bit farther into my stretch and I catch another keeper and catch my third one. And now I only have like 10 minutes before I really have to go. And I end up like getting a couple more bites where I, they rip my worm off and, there was uh, two fry garters that were under fry that I could get to bite my worm a couple times and then they quit biting it. And I saw them chase some like little fish would swim by and they'd chase the bluegill all the way to the surface. I mean, I saw one of these bass bust a bluegill on the surface and it was probably like a three pounder and I just could not get those fish to bite. And I ended up only having those three fish on day two, which was just a train wreck disaster going from 16 pounds to six pounds and especially on a place that I would consider a home lake and drop down to 79th place. So, so I was pretty upset after this event, obviously. And that was probably like my lowest uh, feeling of the season so far. And this put me uh, making only one check out of four tournaments, but you know, my, my two events for the rest of the season for the Invitationals were Potomac River and Lacrosse, And so two river systems, one's a tidal fishery. You know, I'm not too sure about that one. I like rivers, but don't always, you know, do the best on them. But looking forward to them anyway. So here we go into June. So this is over, you know, like a month and a half later. Um so the Potomac River is just a massive, massive fishery. And I think that our schedule this year with the combined acreage has to be close to one of the records because all of these places that we go are just have a, a so they're so vast and have so much surface area to fish, especially like these rivers, because there's grass flats for miles. Uh, there's a ton of shoreline. There's so much where you could fish or find fish. And so Potomac Rivers, it was kind of weird. Um, you know, I searched for the first day for sure, looking for offshore grass of some kind um, to find like a certain spot. And so I was looking for points in the grass. I was looking for hard spots out there. I was looking for something a little bit different. And, you know, I, I caught some fish, but it wasn't really like great. And so I was, I was kind of talking to some people and I was like, man, I, I just need to go fishing. I need to go like find areas that there's fish. I need to do what I think I need to do during the tides. So, you know, if the tide's up, I need to go fish the inside grass lines and then go fish the bank when it's down. I need to fish like the, you know, maybe a little bit deeper water, the ditches, um, outside of the grass flats, whatever. And so the next day, um, that's what I do. I kind of just follow what I think should be happening with the tide 
And so I actually found the first like good spot I found was a lot of these big creeks would funnel down into like a, a small creek that would, that would have a deep ditch in it. So for example, um, these creeks might only be five foot max and they're just grass, you know, all, all the way across. And then you get back to where it narrows down to the small creek and it might get to like eight or 10 foot deep in the channel. And so at the mouth of where one of these creeks, uh, big creeks narrows down and meets uh, the small creek, it was probably like five foot, but it dropped off from like three to five and there was a defined ditch. And I was throwing, man, first couple of casts, I threw a chatterbait and I caught two bass. I caught a catfish. Um, I started dragging a worm. I caught another catfish, another bass, had a couple bites that I shook off. I'm like, man, this could be a great place to like, just come here and catch a couple keepers. You know, this could be like one of those spots. And then I move up with, with tide started coming up and I started moving up and fishing, um, some shallower stuff. And I saw, uh, two good ones, uh, eat my frog and I shook them both off. I go to another big Creek. That's uh real well known for cash and checks. And a lot of people catch fish and, I actually find a couple stretches that I get a lot of bites in and just kind of fishing offshore grass. And so I'm feeling pretty decent about it. Um, like I, I have some places to run with the, whatever the tide's doing and whatnot. And so the first day I kind of run to the big grass flat cause the, the, the tide starts high. And so I catch a lot of fish. I'm throwing a swim jig and I'm just working up and down these stretches. And, you know, it's not a certain edge or anything. It's just kind of the right depth on these grass flats. And so it's really just out of sight where you can't see the bottom is what it was for me. And not that that mean, means anything because I got 122nd place. But that's just, I mean, I caught a lot of fish still. So day one, I catch 11 pounds, 13 ounces. I caught a lot of fish. I just, you know, I wasn't able to see any of that size. So on day two, I'm thinking, man, I really need like a couple, three, three and a half pound bites. And so I start in the area that I had the big fish roll over on my frog and I go down the stretch and I fish it real thoroughly without a single bite. And I go back to this big grass flat that I caught in the day before. And again, I catch a bunch of fish, but you know, this day they were even smaller, you know? And so I got a limit, a starting limit for probably like five or six pounds. It was pretty pitiful. And I sat there and, and cold up till I got to nine, uh, just over nine pounds probably. And I just cold through so many times to get there. And I'm like, man, I have to go like figure something different out. And so I went around and fished um, some, I fished deeper grass. I fished like where the grass edge was, um, where it kind of went to like mud bottom. Um, I went and fished offshore in the areas that I got those big bites. I tried fishing up shallow. I just, I did not understand the tide and where it moved those big fish. Like one day I practiced, it worked out pretty good. But besides that, um, I, I did not learn a lot from my own experience in that tournament. Now, watching those other guys and how they responded to the tide really helped me out. You know, I didn't make day three, but I got to watch live and see kind of what those guys were doing. The, when I first pull it up, it's been about an hour. They've been, they've been fishing for about an hour, 
and it's Nick Hatfield, and he's throwing the top water around, and he catches like a five pounder, and the cameraman's kind of moving around. I'm like, man, that looks awfully familiar. And I keep watching it for a little while. It is the exact stretch that I fished both mornings of the tournament and without a single bite, but it's where I saw those good ones in practice. And I watched him catch like 15 pounds off this stretch. It just, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I was throwing a frog, a popper. I was flipping. Um, It looks like he caught all those fish on a popper um, or for the most part anyway. But, you know, he might've been like a little bit further back than I was, but I still fished, you know, uh, where I got those bites. I fished up shallow. I fished offshore a little bit right there and never caught anything. So tidal fisheries are still a mystery to me on, on when fish use that grass to move in and out of places. So, um, something else interesting is that a lot of the guys that did well and caught them were actually fishing around, uh, brim beds of, I don't know what kind, but um, it, it totally makes sense that in those grass clumps and all the vast grass flats, that that's where those fish would kind of congregate around. And it's not like they were catching these fish every cast, but they were hanging around these areas where these bass are kind of centrally located. You know, these bass are kind of cruising around, um, not sitting on anything specific, but they were hanging around these these beds. And I should have like had the idea you know, I mean, this is like mid-June. The water temperature was right. Um, now that I think about it, hindsight's twenty twenty. But, you know, I, I should have been looking for that. But that's that's now experience. I mean, that's how guys learn to do that in the future and apply things quicker. I mean, you know, learning bass fishing is not an easy thing. So, you know, I'm thankful for being able to learn at least that from that tournament. Now I'm like 60th in points, you know, in the invitationals. It's not going so great. But, you know, we got lacrosse. I've been there two times before. I've got 10th and probably like 20th or 25th. I can't really remember what the second one was. But I was pretty excited about going to lacrosse. And what I missed out on last time is that the first time I was there, you know, I caught him frogging. I had a couple stretches that, you know, there was just good ones moved up in the grass. And the second time that I was there, those fit, the water level was a little bit lower. And those fish were just kind of vacated from those stretches so i really wanted to fish lake on alaska figure out where those fish are at up in pool seven um because that's kind of where i'd caught the fish in the past but kind of up shallower not offshore but i was thinking man offshore there has to be some good stuff out there because it's so vast there's so much grass um you know that's got to be the deal and so the first i think four hours of practice the first morning first four hours I spent out there in Lake Onalaska fishing eelgrass edges, fishing current, doing everything that I could think of where those bass would be. And I just wasn't really getting any bites. I mean, I caught a couple little ones, but I was like, man, I really have to like make a change. I have to go find some fish. And so from then on out, uh, the rest of the day, I ran some previous stuff that I caught, caught them on around grass and with no success. And so I started fishing wing dams on the main river and you know, I was catching like a decent amount of fish and I caught a four and a half pound smallmouth. You know, I was pretty excited about it. So I ended up fishing all three pools in practice because pool eight is not my favorite. I've never caught them very well, but I knew I'd need some somewhere to fish coming to and from the locks or if I have to wait around, I need some spots to fish. And so I practiced in pool eight for a day just to find a bunch of little ones. I found two wing dams that were decent 
And then day three, I go down to pool nine and I caught a lot of fish, but it wasn't uh, really consistent enough to make me want to go down there versus pool seven. Um, I just had found too much good stuff in pool seven for nine to overrule it. And so halfway through the day or somewhere in the afternoon, I decided, you know, I'm going to go back up to pool seven. I got the wing dams. I'm going to go look around on Alaska again, just because I know it's got to be there. And so I go put in up there and I'm, I'm driving around Lake on Alaska, just looking for, you know, whatever it might be. And I, I passed Tom Monsoor out there and I'm like, man, this is, it's gotta be right. You know? And so I fish it for another like two and a half hours. And this time I get zero bites and it just really broke me. Like, man, I know that, that this is, should be a deal and they should be here, but I just couldn't figure it out. And man, come around to the tournament. We had the worst experience with barges and getting through the locks like all three mornings of the tournament there there was a barge that would beat us there to the lock and so i think this so we launched at 6 30 i think one day i actually started fishing up there at like 7 45 maybe and so we only had to wait for like 30 minutes or 40 minutes for that barge but the other two days i think i started day one i started fishing at nine and then day three i started fishing at like 9 45 and so I was pretty rushed on, you know, going up there and, and fishing. But um, day one, um, I fished like solely smallmouth wing dams um, just because that's where I saw the size, you know. Um, like, you know, the there, there's probably a lot more largemouth than they typically win, but there's just some really big smallmouth that, that live in pool seven. And so day one, I had 13, 14 just under 14 pounds is a pretty good day. And I caught four out of my five fish up in pool seven on a spook and uh, just throwing flukes over the wing dams. And then I locked back down and had like an hour to fish. And so I, I go to one of my, uh, one of two wing dams that I had in pool eight. I pull up to it and catch a two pound smallmouth. Um, I'm throwing a, throwing a fluke on a spinning rod. And then I catch another little one and then I get, around to the other side of the wing dam and I throw up there on top of it and hook a pretty good one, get it in. It's like a three and a half pounder. And so that's really what kind of got my bag up there around that 14 pound range. And so that was kind of a, a lucky or a, you know, a clutch fish that I had. And then day two, you know, I actually got up to the lock a little bit quicker. I was able to kind of go through my smallmouth stuff and pull seven and then um, I started to fish some, some new stuff or stuff that I hadn't fished on day one. I pull up to this one wing dam. I make a couple casts. It's one I haven't even fished yet. And I make a couple casts and I'm, I'm catching a couple little smallmouth and I'm seeing them follow. And so I put my boat on spot lock and I cast like across the wing dam, like down it quite a ways with a crankbait. I throw out there and I catch, I hook up with one. And I get him in and it's like a two and a half pound largemouth. And I'm like, okay, that's like a, that's like a good fish, you know? And I make the same exact cast and it's out there ways. And I get like three cranks in and one just locks it up and I pull into it, get like two cranks and that pops off. So my rod's like back behind me while well, I reel down my slack. And as soon as I get to the bottom and pull my slack tight, one smokes it again. 
and I started pulling on, I'm like, man, that has to be a big drum or something. You know, it's just real heavy, not fighting. It's just heavy. Well, I've kind of fought him around the boat and I get it up and it's a big largemouth. It was like a four pound largemouth. And so I get him in and I'm like, man, I might've just found something like really good, you know? And so I sit there and catch a, a handful of largemouth and then they stop biting. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I just broke them up or, you know, if there wasn't that many there, but they ha- had to have been a school if they bit like that. And so I kind of go over there a little bit closer where I can actually see them with live scope. And there's like 30 or 40 fish on sitting on this certain spot on this wing dam. Like there's no point or anything. I don't know. Somehow the current must have been hitting it and making a like current break on that specific spot. But it's just it's just a giant school largemouth. And I'm like, man, if I could sit here and catch these fish on day three, I could have a really good bag and really move up. On day two, um, I had 14 pounds with another you know four pounder, pretty good one. I had a pretty good smallmouth to go with that bag too. It was like a three and a half, I think. And so, you know, two two and a half pounders do you well on the cross if you have a, a three and a half and a four. So I have 14 pounds and so I'm sitting in like 18th place going into day three. Well, day three comes around and I'm stoked to go up there and I'm thinking, man, you know, please let this be the day that there's no barge traffic and we actually get to fish a little bit. We have a fog delay. And it's like pretty dense fog. And it was a while before we got to take off. And they finally let us go. And so it's already, you know, shortened day a little bit. And we get up to the lock. And there's an app where we can watch the barges and where they're at and stuff. And so we run up there. And there's a barge that just beat us there. And it was going in. And it took this barge like two hours maybe two and a half. I don't know. It was a long time. It took this barge a long time to get through the lock. And so, um, me and Jordan hurt. So shout out to Jordan for helping me out a little bit, but he had this little stretch of, uh, rip wrap that came to a point where he caught like a limits worth of fish on when he locked back down on, on day two. And my smallest, I had two fish on, on day two that were, like one pound, 12 ounces, one pound, 13 ounces or 14 ounces. Like I had two fish under two pounds and I still had 14. So that, that hurt me a lot right there. But he said that he sat there in cold and his smallest fish was like two seven on day two. And so I was like, okay, well, there's a bunch of two pounders here. And so we kind of sat there like side by side for the first hour and a half or hour. And they just weren't really biting. So I pull out a real light Demiki rig and I think I had like three keepers before we got to lock up. So in like two hours on that spot, um, I was able to catch uh, three, like two somethings. And so I'm like, man, if this is great. If I could go catch two, you know, pretty good ones up and pull seven like I did yesterday. Finally, after a while, we get to go back up to pull seven. So we all lock through. And I think it was like out of the top, out of the top 50, I think 11 of us locked through um, to go up. So we go up there and I start on my small or my largemouth school. You know, I catch keepers. I fell out a limit, but they're just not biting great. They're all little ones. And so I go fish a couple more wing dams. I think two more wing dams that I caught largemouth on. And then I was going to spend the whole rest of the day fishing my smallmouth stuff. And so, you know, the first couple spots just weren't really producing. And so I go to what was my best smallmouth wing dam and I was catching them every cast for a little while just 
they were just kind of mostly small fish, you know, like pound and a halfers. And it seemed like it was getting better though, as the day went on. So we're fishing for about an hour and a half. I look at my phone and there was a barge in lacrosse on its way up. And so lacrosse where we take off from is not very far from uh, the lock of pool seven. And so I'm like, crap, these, these big, and it was a big barge. These big barges take like two, two and a half hours to lock through. And we have to check in at two 30. So if this barge is, it's 1130, it's going to be there in 30 minutes. You know, it takes us 20 minutes to lock through. Like, I don't think we're going to make it back if we don't leave now. And so I called Jordan hurt and we decided like, yeah, we have to go or else we're not going to make it back. And so I called Paul ice and told him, cause we were kind of communicating about it. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to risk it. I don't really have, you know, anything anyway. I got nothing to lose. So it was just me and Jordan that locked back through. And this is like noon and this barge was going to go through right after us. So I kind of fished up there around the lock for about 45 minutes and that barge it took it longer than 45 minutes to get in because whenever I left, it was still not all the way in. And I'm like, man, I mean, Tom Monsoor, he was up there, Matt Stefan, Steve Lopez, one, two, and three were up there in pool seven. And I thought there's no way they're going to make it back. So, you know, I fish uh, some of my other wing dams that I found fish on, try to fish some new stuff, but you know, I didn't, I didn't really upgrade at all. I ended up with uh 10 pounds, six ounces. Um, you know, I would just w- didn't, wasn't able to spend enough time on my good smallmouth stuff. And the smallmouth is really what supported my bags all week. I get in and I'm the last one in and with like a minute left and these guys weren't checked in yet. And I didn't see anybody island in front of me the guy that was checking people in, he's like, Oh, it looks like there's some guys that are late. And I'm like, Oh no, they didn't make it. And so I idle all the way back to check in. And it's a pretty good idol. And I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, nine of these guys got locked out. And so that's going to completely change um, the top 10 because there was, I don't remember four to six guys in the top 10 that were in pool seven. I get in and realize that they did make it back. And what happened was they just really rushed the barge um, getting through and everything and they somehow managed to get back with like three or four minutes left so they got extremely lucky that they made it back but i mean I'm, i moved down from 18th to 32nd so i guess it wouldn't have hurt me at all to stay up there too and just see if i could upgrade a little bit more but you know it's real tricky with the lock system i mean i could have came back down and pull eight and caught a couple decent ones and you know stayed in that higher check range i mean if 30th place was 10 grand and you know 31st to 50th was eight and so i only missed the the 10 grand check by two spots so you know that's a that's a real tricky game to play sometimes when you're when you're that close but i'm glad i did it um you know being safe and getting back on time didn't disqualify me and put me in 50th place for this tournament so you know strong finish i had fun i caught a lot of fish every day at lacrosse um, you know, I'm looking forward to going back. Uh, there's a lot that I learned about how to find these fish, how to catch them, what I need to have, um, after practice is over. So, um, man, that was a shallow fishing schedule. And I ended up in, I think 47th place, top 75, you get to go back for next year. So I get to go back and fishing invitationals again, uh, based on points, but it seems like they typically rotate shallow and deep schedules. So like last year, you know, they fished kind of the deeper, 
live scopable tournaments. And then this year it was more of the shallow rivers. I mean, Okeechobee, Clarks Hill, Eufaula, Kentucky Lake, Lake Ozarks around the spawn, and then two rivers to complete the year. So, you know, you could do a little bit of deep fishing, but not very much, you know. So next year I'm hoping that we actually get some smallmouth tournaments, you know, instead of having Potomac River and Lacrosse, maybe it'll be, you know, two of the famous smallmouth places. And then in the springtime, you know, Okeechobee was fun, but it would be better to start, you know, somewhere else in the south, maybe Texas. Um, I like when they, they start on places like that, you know, reservoir. It's just it's just more familiar fishing. I mean, Florida is a completely different animal. So it's it's fun to fish actual like pre-spawn wintertime stuff um, where they're in that in that mode um, like they are on the Midwest South. And so I'm looking forward to next season. I had some I had some awesome learning moments from this season. Um, whenever I was at lacrosse, um, I was at a gas station. I think it was after day two. And this kid, I get back to my truck and this kid comes walking over to me and his 11 year old. He was just asking a million questions about, you know, everything that I do about, you know, my truck and boat and how I made it to fishing the invitationals and a lot of in-depth questions. And I feel for him because that's exactly how it was at that age. Cause I didn't grow up knowing anybody that professionally fished or anything. So I had a million questions on how do they get their money to do this? Do they have other jobs besides this? How do they get into the, you know, how did they work their way up into the next level? And there's just so many questions that I had about their personal life and whatever. And so I know there's a lot of kids out there cause he was, he was one of them, but that was a cool experience for me to be able to share my experiences with someone who was in my same shoes. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to next season. Um, we should be getting our schedules, um, within the next month or two, I'm hoping, I know that the schedule's set and at our last meeting for lacrosse, um, our tournament director, Kevin Hunt told us that this is, this doesn't mean this is where we're going, but our tournament trail spans from Sam Rayburn to Champlain. So I would expect that Sam Rayburn is where we're starting and that we'll go to Champlain. And this week I'm getting to watch the elite series on Champlain and they're just destroying them under bait. And that is my favorite thing in the world to do. You know, there's just giant schools chasing bait around and you get to catch them on Demiki rig and whatever. So, um, I think that'll be a blast. I'm really looking forward to seeing what it, you know, what the next season looks like, but we're still not done with this year. Um, we still have Lake of the Ozarks Toyota series. That is, uh, towards the end of September. And that is going to round out the Plains Division Toyota Series. And I'm in third place. Uh, Drew Gill's in second and um, Brad Jelinek's in first. And we're all really close in points. And I think that whoever out of the three of us, um, whoever wins Angler of the Year is probably going to have to get a top 10, maybe top five um, to take that. So I'm really excited about fishing that. But there's a BFL Super Tournament two weeks before ours there's a Bassmaster opens tournament the week before and then like a, two, a day or two after the opens are done then we start practice for our tournament so lake those lake those arcs is going to get pounded on i mean the opens have five days of practice three days of a tournament so that'll be interesting and then obviously the toyota series championship that is on table rock lake the first weekend or first week of november um, I'm super pumped for that one. Um, that's 
one of my favorite times of year to fish by far. So really pumped and looking forward to that. You know, there's a, a nitro contingency that adds 50 grand to the winner. Um, so if I were to win or someone with a nitro would be 250,000 to first place. And, um, you know, the payouts are good. The rest of the field, it's no entry fee. So um, that would be a great way, a fun way to cap off the the end of the year and get ready for next year. So um, I think hopefully here soon, we're going to have Drew Gill on and we are going to discuss this season, um, talk some more about uh, what we learned. Obviously, we were both rookies. Um, he's still in college, but we both got the college fishing experience um, and how that really propelled us to being able to fish how we do now. And Drew and I kind of have similar fishing styles and, um, you know, we like to finesse fish and stuff like that. So I think we'll have some interesting topics um, to be able to talk about on especially how drew because he finished ninth in points he had a lot of good uh, finishes this season we'll talk about how he applied um, finesse fishing and uh, forward facing sonar to a shallow schedule and being able to dominate it um, really where the whole top eight that qualified for the bass pro tour were good shallow fishermen and they were guys that um, didn't catch them on forward facing sonar very much throughout the season but drew worked his way up there um, doing what he does. So um, we'll have that one out soon as well. Um, thank you guys for watching. Um, I'm going to try to keep getting guests on here regular, regularly and hitting uh, as much topics as we can. So uh, we'll have this on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. So please keep following along, and I'll see you next time.